Hello, and welcome to Women on the Line, one of Community Radio's national feminist current affairs programs, produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm Amy McMurtry. This show was produced on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay respect to elders both past and present of these lands, as well as those you are hearing us from today. In this episode of Women Online, you'll hear me speaking with Darlene Silva Soberano. Darlene is a poet. They currently serve as a poetry editor for VoiceWorks magazine and are a recipient of a Hot Desk Fellowship from the Wheeler Centre in 2020. In this episode with Darlene, we speak about the possibilities of poetry and social justice, how bewilderment found through poetry and daily living can keep us connected to our humanity, connected to land and community, giving us purpose for the struggle for justice. Darlene and I discuss bewilderment, pleasure, pandemic lockdown and well-being. Listen in to hear Darlene's poetic take on life and justice. I am Darlene Silva Soberano. Uh, I am a poet uh, by vocation. I am recording from the lands of the Wuthering people of the Kulin Nation. Um, and yeah, I'm very happy to be here. Great. Thank you. We're happy to have you here. Um, so talk to us about the kind of poet that you feel you are. How do you describe yourself and what defines your work? Oh, that's very. That's a very big question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm always trying out all these different techniques and I find it really difficult to pinpoint just one thing. But I do know publicly that I'm known as a crush poet. Um, What's a crush? So like you a, say crush poet? Crush poet, like as in like someone who writes like love poems or, you know, is like Oh, publicly. okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I, you know, it's something that it, it emerged, but it's not how I started as a poet which is very interesting. But the last poem I got published is called The Weekend. Um, and it was published on Saturday for the uh, Melbourne City of Literature poet series. Um, and that's a very crushy, crushed poem. Um, and the poem before that was with Liminal uh, called I Think of You While My Coffee Cools. So I think that's adding to the public persona. But I definitely um, would say, and I would align myself as a poet that like, talks about uh, inheritance and um, trauma and politics. Uh, like my, for me, like what I feel like is my most, um, the, the poem that I think represents my work the best, at least for now, is called My Father the Sky, um, in which I talk about being trans and about my family and about the Philippines and about all those identities intersecting with one another. Mm. Yeah. yeah, cool. Um, what do you think poetry offers to people? Or, you know, what do you think its potential is? You talked about being, you know, quite a political poet. And, yeah, I'm just kind of curious about how you use your poetry or what you think. Yeah, what, I guess maybe they're two different questions perhaps. I don't know how you think about it, but what is its potential and what does it offer people? I think for me, or I can't speak to what it offers other people, but I know what it offers to me. And... I came to poetry because it made me feel less alone, right? You know, when Emily Dickinson wrote, I felt a funeral in my brain, like that's what, that's what anxiety feels like, right? And it's like, what a relief that people have been feeling that for centuries. Um, 
and it makes me feel less alone. And in that feeling, uh, I definitely, when I need to renew my sense of, you know, uh, justice, I definitely come back to poetry to help me feel that because I feel like to feel less alone might be the first step to wanting justice for other people and justice for my own self too. Um, yeah, because it makes me feel like I'm in community with other people. Um, so that's kind of like the big, broad political part of it. But there's also just like that idea of bewilderment, right? And for me, you know, I mean, I've been talking about, I talked about being a crush poet and uh, with love and love poetry, love for a romantic partner or, you know, friends or family. Uh, I also come to poetry to make love feel new, right? I think that poetry can love, can make love feel new. Um, which I think is also part of justice. It's, you know, it renews a sense of love for other people. Um, yeah, the uh, the essay I wrote for SAT, I think, touches on that a lot about how it can just kind of articulate this moment um, for oneself, even if it's a poem by somebody else. Um, yeah, there's this Linda Gregg poem that goes something like, I saw you in the kitchen this morning. It was like being alive twice. And I think that I definitely get that feeling when I read poems or write poems. It's like it's like being alive, being alive twice. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's really interesting because I think that, you know, we kind of have this idea that, um, I guess it's a quite a romantic idea that love should be easy, you know, or that love doesn't require, you know, like in that really kind of romantic way, like, like love doesn't require of us, but actually we know, and most people I would say would know that actually that's not the case, that actually sustained love actually requires a lot of us. And I think that that's really interesting, like, you know, the way you think about like coming to love anew, like that in a way that that, like that is another way to kind of, um, you know, come at it, you know, in a way that gives us something else, you know, that actually doesn't, the kind of tedium or whatever, you know, that that can come from like trying to work at something. It's like actually I'm coming at it for a new way, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I think about when you talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Love is definitely a choice. Um, and for me, I, you know, I, I think everything in my life I've tried to center around poetry. Uh, and I think that's the way that I kind of try to get in touch with what I feel and what I value is through poetry. Um, yeah. So I'm quite um, interested in the relationship you talked about between love and social justice or justice, I think you talked about more generally. Um, can you speak a bit more to that? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that there's something that I've seen floating around a lot, uh, especially in the last couple of months of um, people wanting to aestheticize justice in a way that makes it look cool right like um like playing like blasting disco music uh, on the street right um and then you know i've seen these this call to say that you love a people more than you hate a people so uh i've heard people say you know to love to call f to love black people and indigenous peoples more than they hate the police right and i think that that attitude for me uh, is, is what speaks to me the most. Um, although both can definitely exist in conjunction with one another. Um, 
but I think that I think that indifference to cruelty and being unmoved in the face of cruelty, I think, is probably the most dangerous thing that a person could do. It's definitely what I think is the most dangerous thing that I can do is to be unmoved. Um, and so that's I think that's where love has to come in um, and move me and where bewilderment has to come in and move me um, so that I'm moved to act instead of just staying still. Women on the line. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I was listening to a podcast by um, an actress, Autumn Marie Brown. Do you know? Are you familiar with her? Uh, no, no, no. Oh, I feel like I'm not going to do this just now. <laughs> but um, kind of what you're saying, like about actually that the world actually um, we're encouraged to switch off, you know, to actually tune out to survive, you know. And so I think that that's a really interesting strategy to actually come back into our bodies and come back into ourselves through bewilderment. Like it's a way of sustaining us outside of the kind of despair and destruction. Um and, and kind of, and I mean, I think you talked about this um, in your talk through, that you did through Footscray Arts, um, that actually that stops us from, keeps us present to our humanity rather than being overwhelmed by all of that despair. Yeah, I think there's definitely a balance to be struck where you do need to put yourself first as much as you can. You need to do the best for yourself and also at the same time remain bewildered by cruelty or bewildered by the violence of the state Um, Mm. yeah 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 but I mean I guess yeah bewilderment can be either like something that's about beauty or about um horror in a way right like Mm, yeah 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 the um there's that Kava Akbar quote uh let me see if I can try to do it justice um, where he says that uh, maintaining an orientation towards wonder in a time where the government is conspiring against it, in a time where black people are being murdered at the hands of the state, in a time when the earth is very much trying to warn us about what we're doing to it, maintaining an orientation towards wonder becomes really difficult. And, you know, it's like it's wonder and bewilderment can come through um, in anger and as much as it can come through in joy and it can come through in sadness. Um, it's kind of just this sensation where you feel lost in your body. And I think that listening to the sense of loss is really wise. Um, because for me, at least, like bewilderment can tell me if something's going wrong or, or something is going right. Um, so I try to listen to it as much as I can. around Australia, you've been listening to Women on the Line. We've been speaking with Darlene Silva-Sabarano about poetry, bewilderment and justice. Stay tuned to hear more from Darlene. Yeah, I, um, it actually also reminds me again of um, Adrienne Marie Brown. She, um, she's written this book called Pleasure Activism. Oh. Are you familiar with that? I've heard the title, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so she's really interested in obviously this idea of pleasure. And so she talks about that we're all entitled to pleasure and that actually the state 
will try and take it from us, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that actually, yeah, actually if we do, if we aren't actually seeking out pleasure, if we aren't fighting for pleasure, like what are we fighting for? You know, like we need to fight for lives that are worth living, you know, and pleasure has to be part of that. Um, mm. And it kind of really reminded me about the way that you talk about bewilderment, like it's another form of pleasure, another part, part of joy in our lives and that we are entitled to that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's very, very interesting. I will check that out. And it's yeah. very true. Very, very true. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, also about, I don't know about your experiences. I mean, well, I did read a little, but um, I don't know if you want to speak to your experience of bewilderment. If you use this strategy perhaps during um, the, you know, uh, I know you're based in Melbourne during the um, stage four uh, pandemic lockdown. Mm. Um yeah. And I know that actually, I think maybe this is why I was quite, quite drawn to your speech at FCSA because actually I noticed, and I, it wasn't something I'd put a word to, but actually bewilderment had become part of a strategy for me to sustain myself during this time. You know, I'd go out often with a friend who I think kind of drew me into this, you know, um, who was so bewildered by everything around us. And I became quite drawn into that. Um mm. And that became a sustaining force for me. And I'm kind of curious to know whether you use that also during this time or the time. <laughs> uh, I think my sense of wonder has been coming back to me as I've, you know, um, gotten more energy. I have, I realized, you know, during lockdown, I could only speak to like four people, you know? I think I only did speak to like four people during those last couple months. And then now, you know, I'm having the energy to actually like miss people properly. Um, but as for bewilderment during this time, um, no, I haven't been able to maintain that sense. And there was a poet who tweeted the other week, something like, if I'm reading poems and they're not doing anything for me, then I know something is wrong with my psychic life. And when I read that tweet, I was like, oh, that's like, that's kind of what's been happening to me where I haven't been like moved by poems. It's because, you know, there's something I haven't been able to pay attention to in my psyche. Um, and yeah, I definitely think that there's something that I need to pay attention to if poetry isn't moving me the way that it usually does. Um, and yeah, but bewilderment, I think for me, I'm trying to cultivate the sense again by just looking at the everyday. You know, I, I think I've written... I haven't written a lot of poetry in the last couple of months because there's not a lot to write about. But when I have written, it's been like on my walks, right? And like I watched, there was like this day that I just like sat down by the river for like three hours staring at the top of one tree because I was just so fascinated by the fact that like like a leaf is like sitting at the very, very top of this tree and this tree is like taller than me. It's probably been around since before I was born and that that instilled in me like this great sense of wonder. Um, and of course, you know, like it's not a, it's not a plain land. It's a land that you know has been stolen from people. So that also, that part of it also, comes into my thinking. Um, and another fact that also bewilders me and that I have to pay attention to. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about that because it kind of, you know, it was something I've been thinking about recently about um, connection to land and, you know, the way in which we've, you know through colonization that we're all kind of um, discouraged, you know, from, you know, we're disconnected from land. 
and about uh, this kind of yeah what bewilderment might bring to kind of bring people back to land and back and to struggle actually um for indigenous land rights i don't know if if, is that anything you've thought to at all yeah yeah um i know for me like speaking back to the uh being unmoved by cruelty i remember seeing the the photo of the trio and joplin country um being taken away in that truck you know and seeing the, the cut off stump and i remember just being like I, I don't know how to look at this without like wanting without like feeling this really visceral grief, right? And I think that you know I if I'm feeling that like I cannot imagine how indigenous peoples feel, right? Um, and I think that for me I feel that it is important that I am you know really really moved by that. And I don't mean moved as in like you know the the good way. I mean moved as in like there is this emotion in me that. I don't want to ignore, right? Because to ignore it, I think, is a greater cruelty. Um, to ignore it would be me, you know, siding with the the violence of the state. There's that um, poem called Remember by Joy, Joy Harjo. And the first line is, remember, remember the sky that you were born under. And I just have to repeat that to myself and just be like, this is the same sky that I was born under. I've been here and, you know, my ancestors were here and other people's ancestors were here. It's poem, that, that poem specifically makes me feel so connected to the world. And I think that's, you know, if poetry only ever does that for me, then, you know, that's the reason for me to keep reading and keep orientating myself around, orienting myself around poetry. Women on the line. People think about, you know, bewilderment. As you know, we've talked about it in two different ways. It can be about oriented to see horror, but also, but also about think more generally. People think about it in terms of joy, um, and I think sometimes it's really easy for people to get, um, you know, activists often to get maybe less so now, but certainly I don't know. I'm actually I'm just going to go with this, but this kind of guilt around feeling joy when when there's so much suffering in the world. And I wonder what you would say to that. Yeah, I think that um, that whenever that's brought up, I always think of the Ilya Kaminsky poem. So <laughs> I was I just keep thinking of these poems. Um, but the Ilya Kaminsky poem that goes something like, um, "We forgive us lived happily through the war," um, and uh, and this other poem by Bizwava Zimborska called "Under a Small Sky," um, where she goes. Forgive me, distant wars, for bringing flowers home. Um, and so I think, yeah, no, between those two poems, the, the word forgiveness comes up twice. And um, I think that poets giving a name to that feeling means that a lot of people feel it. And I think that there should be, I think that guilt can be quite useless. And I think that joy is very very important and I think that a need for joy and a need for pleasure is human right and it's a lie that activists or or poets or you know any anyone invested in justice it's a lie that all we do is is try to bring justice you know we also skateboard and you know eat dinner with our families and you know go for walks and breathe in fresh air and you know that humanness that we have, we need to keep it. 
this was published with Going Down Swinging, and it's called Nikes. How could I pack for the Philippines at a time like this? This morning, I woke from another bad dream of a woman running from me in horror. This morning, I put on my shoes and gave Dipper his leash, and outside, smoke was thick around the everyday. Trees, I've seen since 2006, when we first moved here. On Messenger, I write to my friend in Canberra something like, You'll be fine if you're young and fit and healthy. She says, Today it is the vulnerable, tomorrow it is all of us. This morning, I am worried for my lungs. So far, they have survived the death of a grandfather who drowned in his sleep. Every year on Invasion Day, my mother broadcasts to all of her friends and family, thanks to the government on Facebook for the life we couldn't have elsewhere. She says, babe, the water can't touch us here. Here, the Werribee River could not flood us, even with its strong spine. Here, we can finally run along the waterside. I say, Ma, my first love drowned me a little bit. In two days, I'm returning to the country I couldn't live inside of. I promised myself I would stop fleeing. Forgive me. I had to go. If I didn't board the plane, it would still leave without me. Oh, now I'm on the plane, guzzling petrol as we fly over New South Wales. Oh, now I'm trying very hard to process all the names of the dead. That kind of, that poem has kind of like crystallized this, that, the January, uh, and it's very strange to be reading that again in November, and so much has happened since January. You've been listening to a conversation with poet Darlene Silva Sabarano about bewilderment and social justice. Women on the Line is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. This show is distributed nationally by the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to womenontheline at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website, 3cr.org.au. Go to the Women on the Line page and follow the links to this week's show. The theme song for Women on the Line is produced by Ripley Kavara. I'm Amy McMurtry. Thanks for tuning into the show.
Don't you know, talking about a revolution, it sounds like a whisper. Don't you know, that talking about a revolution, it sounds like a whisper. While they're standing in the welfare lines, crying at the doorsteps of those arms of salvation, wasting time in the unemployment lines sitting around waiting for a promotion don't you know talking about a revolution it sounds poor people gonna rise up and get their share poor people gonna rise up Take what's theirs. Don't you know you better run, 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 run. Oh, I said you better run, 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 run. This final little tables are starting to turn. Talking about a revolution. This final leather tables are starting to turn. Talking about a revolution. Oh, no. Talking about a revolution. Oh, while they're standing in the welfare lines. Crying at the doorsteps of those arms of salvation. Wasting time in the unemployment lines. Sitting around, waiting for a promotion. Don't you know, talking about a revolution. It sounds like And finally the tables are starting to turn. Talking about a revolution. It's finally the tables are starting to turn. Talking about a revolution, oh, oh no. Talking about a revolution, go oh, oh, oh. Talking about a revolution, go oh, oh, oh.